Like why? Like you know what I mean? Like why do yeah, souls no, have to be so complex? Like that's why I get so like disenfranchised listening to Sodels because Sodels. 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 <laughs> S-O-D-D-L-E-S. Sodels. I like Sodels. Sodels. <laughs> <laughs> I like Sodels. I like Sodels. Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and... Well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! annoying mm. this is asinine radio this is the weekly music podcast where every week we get into a different album from a different band or artist and we break down the record we do a bunch of research and then we kind of break it down and we, we let you we give you like the cliff notes of uh, of the making of these records and bands or whatever uh if you didn't already know my name is tyler and way out there hundreds of miles away is jeff while you're listening, go to Apple Podcasts, go to Spotify, give us five stars on each of those apps, or even just one of them. I don't care. Just give us five stars. Don't be a Bocephus. Don't be that. Don't be like that asshole and give us one star. Um, Idiot. Also, while you're listening, because I know you have nothing better to do, that's why you're listening to this podcast. Go follow us on all the social medias: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. At Asinine Radio, we have a Discord server. If you want to join that, hit us up. We'll send you the link. And we have a phone number you can call. Give us or shoot us a text. Or give us a call, shoot us a text. There we go. Pod talking is hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, the phone number is 503-893-5307. So get into that. And uh, yeah, I guess, you know, let's get right into the album. So what are we doing today, Jeff? Go. We are doing MC5's album. Is this called MC5 or is this called Kick Out the Jams? I think it's called Kick Out the Jams. Kick out, Kick out the, the Jams. jams. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, we are prepared. Here we go. Get the feeling you got to sign a 
MC5, otherwise known as Motor City 5, were formed in 1963 in Detroit, Michigan by Wayne Kramer on guitar and vocals, Fred Smith on bass and vocals, Bill Vargo on guitar, and Leo DeLuca on drums. They put out two full-length studio albums, six live albums, 11 compilations, and are considered by some to be the first punk band of all time. Uh, but the album we're doing today is Kick Out the Jams. It's the band's first full-length album and also their first live album. It was released February 1969, and it features Robert Rob Tyner on vocals, Wayne Kramer on guitar, Fred Smith on guitar, Michael Davis on bass, and Dennis Thompson on drums. All right, Jeff. Now that we got that out of the way, uh, what, what what are our origin stories? What's your origin story? What? With, what, what wow. Uh, what is your origin story with MC5? Go. So my origin story is uh, from Rage Against the Machine. I uh, I did not know who, who MC5 was until I heard Rage Against the Machine's Renegades. Renegades, fuck, fuck. Um, <laughs> and... That's I don't know. That's that's really how I heard it, and then I had not listened to anything by them. By them, I mean MC Five, um, outside of just kick out the jams until like pretty recently, like in the past like five to ten years. Damn, really? Shit. Yeah. I mean, you want to give your thoughts? You, what, what okay. You yeah, yeah. Clearly, you hate it. So, uh, so my my origin story is uh, is like you. It was through Rage Against the Machine, the Renegades record, when they covered the song, and more specifically, the live version that Rage did, because the live version was faster, more energy, and it was just it was it was wild. The live version of of their Kick Out the Jams is way better than the studio version of Rage's Kick Out the Jams. But uh, yeah, that was the first time I ever heard the song. And then pretty much after I got that CD, I looked up every band that was on it. And this was this was my favorite song off of Renegade. So this is like the first one I gravitated towards. And I went to Best Buy. I got this record, the Kick Out the Jams record. So that, I mean, maybe seventh grade. So we were 12 or 13 when I got this record. And then, uh, yeah, and then I, lo- I mean, I dug it so much and then i i went and got back in the usa from the warehouse maybe like a month later mm. and uh yeah and then so i had those two cds and i probably st- i still have them somewhere like in a box or a tub or something but yeah man that, that that's my origin story is is rage against the machine so we had the same same thing going it's, it's very so. interesting that 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 renegades album really really pushed us deeper into genres that we were interested in as kids because mm-hmm. this is this is before high school because i'm that i think that i came out like i think the year 2000 yeah yeah we were right? i mean we were seventh grade so yeah that makes we for sure yeah. were not high school we for sure middle school yeah so i was listening to a lot of like i was into a lot of hip-hop and and like the the epmd cover i'm housing like that that pushed me to get into the late 80s and then pre-gangster rap early 90s era of hip-hop Whereas, like the key out the jams pushed you to get into, like the older, kind of like pre-punk era of music. But that's kind of interesting that like this album specifically kind of pushed us to get further into genres of music we liked. I know it was just, yeah, it was time and place really. I mean, because we, I mean, I was such a rage fan at the time, and because I mean, it was it was an angsty teen, and sure, you know, this is this is the first. I mean, Renegades was the first rage album that I got when it came out, if that makes sense. Like it was, yeah, 
because I, I, I wasn't into them when when battle of la came out but yeah when renegades came out I, I got that like probably the first week it came out and uh yeah fucking kick out the jams man fucking banger of a song did, did your did your cd have the live version on at the end because i know i think only like the, no. f- the early runs of it did no no so so i got i got uh evil empire through columbia and I got that after it was it was released. Battle Valet I got when it when it came out, and then Renegades I got when it came out, or within like a month or two when it came out. But like I knew it was coming out, and I I actively sought to go buy it when it came out. But no, my my version did not have the live versions. I didn't even know the live versions existed until fucking I mean, I don't know for whatever it's worth. Like after high school, and then getting yeah. more into the bands themselves. And then, and then really, I don't know, diving into to the lore of rage, and all of this stuff. <sighs> Good stuff, man. I Good stuff. That's right. So, let's. Uh, okay, so so we have our origin stories down. Let's uh, let's get into our initial. Th- I mean, I guess we kind of talked about our initial thoughts a little bit on this record. Kick out the jams. Uh, we have anything? If we have anything to add, let's throw it in there. If not, let's jump right into the title track, because fucking good. So, what do you got? So I guess just all encompassing here. I I don't have any stinkers. Okay, fair. Yeah, I don't. Either. I I have a couple okay songs. I think I have two okay songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have, one. I, have, I have two okay songs. But even then, I mean, we're talking like these are good filler songs. Like they're this is like top notch filler. Yeah, so. seriously. <laughs> wait, wait, what's good. your what's your what are your two okay songs? They're back to back. Rocket Reducer number sixty two. Ramon Lama Fala Fa. And then really? borderline, okay. okay. Borderline, like the so Madonna border, song. Borderline is my only okay song. Everything else is a banger on here. So, um, so then let's jump in. I mean, because we don't have to talk to, about borderline really at all if we don't want to or need to. Borderline, the Madonna song or this one? That's fine. No, yeah, we don't talk about borderline. <laughs> it's um, dude. I will say though, overall, man, these lyrics are shit. Like this yeah, is this right? is god damn man these are like shit fucking lyrics and they're shocked. laughable fucking laughable I how was shocked. bad these lyrics are considering <laughs> this band is always like Oof. talked about as being like really politically driven and so inspirational which they are very a lot of people taking inspiration from them but I mean the politics I must be outside of the music because yeah dude there is nothing here lyrically it's trash i mean not trash well it's no some of these lyrics are trash like borderline trash there's several (laughs) other ones that are just fucking trash they're all about fucking girls that every song almost every song is about that and and i mean one of my bangers is 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 about like it's just it's fucking weird it's just bizarre and weird (laughs) but yeah yeah title track kick out the jams so so like overall mc5 i i i know these guys as like the originators of punk music kick out the jams i know is a is an iconic song and and, and these these guys with like the stooges and i've listened to, to the stooges first two albums yeah and i don't hear mc5 in them like mc5 for sure are like the originators of punk music here like these are fast aggressive songs that are kind of sloppy and oh, the extremely. more the more I listen to live stuff this week, and they have a song called called Black to Calm. It, this, this, Black to Calm, C O M M. I don't know what it is, but besides like kick out the jams, this is this is like fan favorite stuff, and they close out a lot of their shows with this song called Black to Calm, and like 
this is a this is a live band. This is a band that you have to just hear live because these studio albums are you thought you could take them out of existence because they don't mean anything compared to their live sound, the way they play things live. And yeah. Black to Calm is a perfect example because it's incredibly wild, it's incredibly sloppy, but it's so energetic and they frequently play over 10 minutes of that song and it's a route. It's just it's insane. It's super fun, and there's a lot of albums, like live albums, that they put out, or any label put out, well after their their disbandment. And Black to Calm is, is frequently like a closer of them. But MC Five is a is a band. Man, I don't even. They're. I've never. I've, I don't think I've ever experienced a band like MC Five. I really don't because they're so <laughs> bizarre. They're not like great at their instruments, but they're so tight with each other. Yeah, that yeah. there's no way anybody else could have stepped in. Like you, you couldn't even have hired Jimmy Page to step in and done a better job because he he would not have. Like these guys, these guys play off of each other's weaknesses. And there are times in this album that you hear, like these, like even in Kick Out the Jams, like you can kind of hear like they're losing their place a little bit, but they <laughs> yeah. know where they're going and they know what they know what the weaknesses of the other people are, and so they play around it. But and then they know where to meet up anyway, and so it all falls into place. And then like that, you just don't get that a lot. You don't get that a no. lot with live music because live music, especially on album, is 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 very polished. It's been practiced a thousand times, and that's why we're recording it live is so you can get a good sense of what we're like live. But we also want to put out a good product. Kick out the jams was like a shit product that got put out, and it, the sound qualities the sound quality is not very good. Like nothing about this is very good on its own, but you add all these yeah. things together and you're just like, wow, this is unreal. This is something like I've never heard before. Even this about, week, I was blown yeah. away by this. Talk about being like so like ahead of punk rock, like putting out like not even like sex. I mean, Sex Pistols, Ramones, Clash, the big three, you know, they never put out like this sloppy of a live record as their debut. Like just just doing that is so ahead of its time. By it's so you know, what, sloppy. Eight years? So yeah, <laughs> Dude, this album is is fucking rad. And there there are moments on this record that are very jazz influence, jazz influence. Not just the last song, but how they play and how they kind of m- intermingle with each other musically. Because yeah, there are parts that sound like it's gonna fall apart or that just don't really make sense. And in that, it's kind of almost avant. It's almost like free jazz or avant garde. It's it's cool, man. Like they, they, they took. It's almost. It's okay. So it's like they took their influences, not knowing how to play, like like proper jazz, and just kind of playing yes. what they think is what the like Sun Ra is playing or Coltrane is playing, whatever you know. That's kind of what it is. But they have no idea what the fuck they're doing. No. And I love and that how carefree that is. That's like you're given a very, a very childlike approach to music. And I like that because it's innocent, it's honest, and it's good. Mm-hmm. And, and and I mean, just random random anecdotal things that I read about these guys is is in their like early. I mean, they've they've been touring since like the early to mid '60s, and so when yeah. this came out, like these songs were already fleshed out, and they had a, just a fucking stupid massive following in Detroit, and they're just wildly popular. But like their tour van usually only had like four tapes in it. And it was always like, 
fucking I don't like James Brown was like a big influence. Like Pharaoh Sanders, they covered a lot of Pharaoh Sanders songs yeah, in other yeah. live versions of their albums. John Coltrane was like the the experimental jazz era of John Coltrane. That was a massive influence. And then Sun Ra, like Sun Ra was a massive influence on them too. And so they do, they do think in their minds what they think. They do think right, that they think. want to be like free form experimental jazz, but they're not good. They just can't mm-hmm. do it because they're not good enough. So they dumb it down into a punk rock fashion, but then they're still kind of weird about it. And that's, yeah. that's, that's, I still haven't heard anything like this. Honestly. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. Like, like the, the punk rock, the, the punk that came out in 77 with the big three, like they were, they were playing dumbed down versions of early rock and roll, which is cool. But like you said, MC5, or like we've both been saying, MC5 did a dumbed down version of fucking jazz. Like they, they were just, they, what am I trying to say here? I'm pretty much just trying to say that big three punk bands are fucking shit. That's pretty much what I'm trying to get, get to. It's, like it's, they, it's really interesting too that like, like the Stooges are off, often like compared to like the big three of the punk. And, and I mean, the Stooges, like again, like I recently listened to the Stooges because I've wanted to, and I think the first time was fantastic, but it's not punk rock, man. It's just not. It's not punk. Like this is punk. Yeah, it's just yeah. not. It doesn't have that uh, that that uh, not I'm not just carefree feeling to it, but also that a fuck you feeling chaos. to it. The what? A fuck you feeling to yeah, it. Yeah, fuck you. You have yeah. to have a fuck you attitude no matter what. That's why I think Velvet Underground is kind of punk because they have a very fuck you attitude. They don't care. Lou Reed didn't give a shit. Yeah. You need and to also, have fuck you in your music if you want to be punk. You have did you to. watch a, did you watch a lot of any live videos or really or a lot of them or or what? I, I, I watched I mean I watched a decent amount of live videos because various incarnations of the band. Up until this point the only other artist I ever saw act like them on stage was Santa Carlos Santana. Like the way that they, all of the, the members move the singer, the guitarist, especially, especially the guitarist and, and, and Rob, the singer, they all have this, like this chaotic, like jerky movements. And they're just feeling the music like Santana does or did at the time. But other than that, I've, I never, I've never seen any other band from this era act like that. Like Hendrix never acted like that. He never he never had this just kind of just kind of wild energy, even though he's always considered like as a as a wild guy, but he never had that same kind of energy. Fucking yeah. good, man. I, I I agree. This band is is this band like like is is bigger than like the sum of its parts. Like you if 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 you dissect this band, they are bad. Everything about this band is bad. Yeah. yeah. Down to the songwriting, down to like the touring structure, down to who they were as people, like everything is just bad. But they 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 should be bigger than they are. They yeah, really should. Absolutely. And a lot of the live videos too reminded me a lot of more in a more modern sense of like the Mars Volt or at the drive-in. I mean, because I mean, Rob Tyner yeah, had shaky had legs. That, that, the shaky legs. Rob Tyner had had the the, <laughs> the singer had the tight pants, the the kind of bigger afro and everything, and. Just I saw so much Cedric there, and the way Wayne Kramer moved too, dude. Omar, that's Omar. Omar like took from Wayne Kramer and Carlos Santana, like he he took both of their styles and just like moved just like them. 
and it's so cool like because it's it's not them like ripping these guys off like the guys in at the drive it's not them ripping them off it's just it's like such a cool cool kind of like passing the torch to like more modern punk music i love it man i love it just watching these videos was so exciting and ah, dude, there, there are a couple other things i want to talk about that happened right before this record came out but we'll, we'll get into that in a bit let, let, let's get it more into the kick out the jams the the song the song so uh oh also we, we didn't talk about so this was recorded at the 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 grand ball i think the grand ballroom in detroit the grand Michigan. ballroom in detroit yep yeah so they they played to over a thousand people at this time and uh yeah it was it was a it was a wild fucking show obviously and uh so yeah let's let's get into the song i think this song is one of the coolest songs ever written like kind oh. of objectively because it's such a it's so simple it's so unbelievably simple but it's so exciting and so such a driving driving force of a song it's it's an absolute perfect song without a doubt so i have i have other i have two other like i mean obviously the song is like a beyond banger this song is just it's so stupid good that it's it's it doesn't even know how good it is it really doesn't yeah yeah but i have two other songs that i listed as my one and two banger and i had listed this one as my as my three b and then I, I was like okay because sometimes when i do this with a song that big and I list it lower. I will always listen to it again before I finish up my notes, just to make sure that it's not. It's a three B. So when I put it back on, I was just like, "Come on, dude, you're you're you're, you're fooling <laughs> yourself here." Yeah. So I put I put it back as my one B. So yeah, kick out the jams is my one B. Yeah, it definitely is. It's the best song on the record for sure. It, it, oh, man, I, I swear to God, there are times in this song where this like these guys are just they have no fucking idea what they're doing. It's like the first time they've ever played live. Yeah, but they know, know where they're going. They know, <laughs> again, they they know, they know their weaknesses. They know when they can meet up, and they know when they can cut in for that that and that's where they meet. And then you gotta kick them. That that's when they know. Okay, we can meet there. No matter no matter what happens from point A to point B, we all know that we're supposed to meet at C, and let's mm-hmm. just let's just get there. Yeah, yeah. And that baseline. That baseline is just stupid fucking good. It is fucking good, man. And I really, I really, really do like the Rage version. I, I really, really like the Rage version. I think it's so good. The studio even, or the or the live one. I like the live one a lot because the live one mimics this one, and yeah. the studio version is fine because it's, it's like a placeholder. Yeah, it's like way slower, and it's like shorter too. Yeah, and it's it like ha- and it has and chicka chickas. It actually has yeah. the chicka chickas because the. <laughs> yeah, because this version, yeah, the MC5 version, there's no, there's no real chicka chickas in this song. But damn, Morello really lays it, lays it on thick on that record. It's, 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 it's a good cover. It's a good cover. It's a great cover. I love it. And it would be the better version if Kick Out the Jam's original wasn't so damn good. Yeah, I think if I think if they had recorded this song in a studio, and we had never really heard this live version. If we hadn't heard this live version first, I don't think it would have had the same impact. I really, really don't. It's the chaos of this version that really, not really, but it adds to the to the mystique, to the excitement of it all. And fuck, man. There's just nothing it's, like it. At the, in 1969, there was nothing like the MC5. This is, this, is, this is chaos, not just for like the song, but this band was 
fucking absolutely out of control in the 60s. Out of control in the 60s. They put out, what, the three records in four years before breaking up because, you know, they, a lot of drug use, a lot of drug use, a lot of alcohol, and um, we can get more into that. They were plagued to begin with because, I mean, even like the Grand Ballroom, the Grand Ballroom itself was, was set up by by some some businessman but he was he was like a big member in the Jewish community mm-hmm. and he he allowed the grand ballroom to be a hangout for some like like prohibition era gang like like a bunch of mobsters a bunch of bootleggers would hang out at the grand ballroom so like the grand ballroom was 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 a staple for 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 CD underground since the beginning since the, the fucking late <laughs> 20s and then come uh. like Come MC5 coming in here, and now they're kind of like the house band, and they open up for a lot of big bands coming through Detroit and blew them out of the water. They opened for Cream. People hated Cream because they wanted more MC5. Makes sense, Fuck. though. It's silly boy talk. Yeah. They opened up for like like Big Brother and the Holding Company. People hated them because they want more MC5. That, that's, 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 that's just crazy. That's absolutely but, crazy. Like I said in the rankings episode, I couldn't really find anything where MC5 ever played with Grand Funk. I don't know I if they ever played shows. I didn't see it either. I didn't find anything. And, and that just doesn't make any sense to me. They're both from Detroit. I don't know how they never... There's not really any documentation that they played together. I think because Grand Funk had more money up front. I mean, Electric barely signed MC5. Barely. And they gave him very, very little to no money to and tour. And dropped them. Yeah, to put out an album and then quickly drop them. Whereas Grand Funk was set up to be a Beatles killer, right? They were set up to be yeah, like an arena yeah. band to rival Zeppelin, to rival Beatles. Like Grand Funk sold out Shea Stadium before the Beatles did. Yeah. Like that was like the massive feat in the in in the day. So I, I think I think Grand Funk was just bigger because they had more money because the label put more money into them. And Electra had barely more, had barely more sc- accessible well, I mean, too. They're they're more. I mean, uh, mm, then MC Five. I know MC Five's first album is pretty. It's pretty accessible, and their second album for sure is very seventies hard rock sounding. It's yeah, fine, yeah. but but like but like, Electra had barely scratched the surface of of anything outside of the norm. Like they just signed like the Doors. So like the Doors' first album was was late sixties and that psychedelic stuff. So Electra is still kind of like new in the game here, mm-hmm. and they just didn't know what they were getting themselves into, which they should have though because. Because MC5 was getting kicked out of fucking places left and right in the 60s. <laughs> they were, yeah. They and were getting booted th- everywhere. Where, okay, okay, after they got dropped from Elektra, uh, I know Atlanta Records picked them up. I think Atlanta picked them up as well as the Stooges at the same time, right? Or was it Elektra that picked up the Stooges and MC5 at the same time? I don't remember. Atlantic, Atlantic picked up MC5 after Elektra dropped them. Yeah, I know that. But yeah. I... But there was a there was a there was a point where one of those two labels picked up MC Five and the Stooges at the same time. I don't remember which um which 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 label it was, but I know that's how the history went. Even it, though the MC Five were doing it before the Stooges were. I mean, they barely. It wasn't that much. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, before. It wasn't but they did it better because, like I said, the first Stooges album is not like this live MC Five album. It's just not. Yeah, it's yeah. just not. It's not. Okay, stop. Uh, so let's let's get into into why they were dropped from Electra Records. So, what, what do you got on this one? 
Well, this, I mean, I, I guess we can go back a little bit because this, this story is funny, but there's also a lot of other funny stories that, that oh, yeah. happen with these guys. And, and they used to open for the Velvet Underground mm-hmm. several times in the late 60s at the, this place called the Boston Tea Party. It's this music venue. And I guess while they were playing, a member from, from something I've never heard of until this week, but a member from Up Against the Wall Motherfuckers, that party, that radical party, oh, went yeah, on yeah. stage and encouraged the audience to tear the place down and take it to the streets. <laughs> MC5 got banned. And even like, I think... Uh, <laughs> The fucking the guitar player for Velvet Underground was like, I don't know what the fuck that was. That was crazy. Don't do that. <laughs> so that was funny. But then like weeks later at another MT5 concert at the Fillmore, that same that up against the wall motherfuckers, they beat up Bill Graham, who Bill Graham owned the Fillmore, uh, both <laughs> East and West. They Jesus. beat him up, like beat his ass and they fucking like broke his nose and, and like really like did some damage to him. But then yeah. Bill Graham said, you're banned from all my venues. Every You cannot play any of my venues ever again. So within like weeks, they got banned from two major, major venues in like the mid to east eastern United States. And this yeah. is all before 1970. This is all before 1969. Like this, is, this is before their debut album even come out. They're already causing problems. Yeah, and not only, I mean, on top of that, they were big, big, big supporters of the, uh, the Black Panther movement to the point where they were, you know, they they were doing like kind of benefits and, and they were really helping out that movement. And they even started the white Panther movement. So they were, they were that ingrained into, into the civil rights movement, you know? Well, that's, and, that's, that, that stems from their boy, John Sinclair. John Sinclair yeah. is one of the guys that started the white Panthers. Yeah, and yeah. then he kind of like took them under his wing and introduced them to just all of this political ideals, and eventually he would get too radical for them, and they would kind of like part part ways. But that's man, like that. Th- th- this this that's a era, ballsy move. This era and this this kind of this subculture of the counterculture movement is fascinating because there's a lot of aggression. There's a lot of aggression from 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 like music, from music, from poets, from from this kind of community. Yeah, and I feel like the, I feel like MC Five were the biggest one to come out of that violent culture. Even though I don't think they were they themselves were necessarily violent, it's just what they kind of rallied behind were more violent ideologies and and movements and stuff. I see. I, I don't. I don't know. I, I don't. I mean, it's hard to say because we weren't there, but. I mean, the whole like yeah. counterculture movement in general has, has been highly s- criticized because the hippie culture, people hate hippies, yeah, not because yeah. they're lazy, but because like the privilege that, you know, middle class white people have to leave their homes and go be live off the land, smoke pot all day, knowing they can just go home at any point to their families, to a job or whatever. Like that's not th- like that's why it's criticized because they still don't know what it's like to be oppressed. Yeah. And there's true, true. massive things going on in the sixties here, especially in Detroit. There's one of the biggest riots in U S history is just yeah. had just happened. And in the sixties were like, were a really, really cool time, a really good time for like growth in America, but also some of like the worst things that this country's ever seen. It was just, it was a crazy, it was a crazy decade. When you it's really think about decade. it, we, we had a U.S. president assassinated. We had the civil rights movement. 
uh, you know, we had the counterculture of the hippie. We had Woodstock. We had the landing of the first man on the moon. We had, dude, the 1960s were fucking insane. Woodstock, too, that that same group up against the wall, motherfuckers. That group cut holes in the Woodstock fences to allow more people to get into the concert <laughs> for free. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, fuck, man. That's wild. Oh, and then since we're kind of on the topic of of the craziness of the band. So in 1968, the Democratic National Convention was happening and it was like an, it, it was an all day event and MC5 were booked to play and they were the only band that showed up to play the convention. So they played for eight hours, for eight fucking hours. The only other artist that came that was invited was Neil Young and he came toward the end of the of the day and he ended up not even playing because MC5 were still playing. It was too crazy for him. He couldn't he was, handle it. Come no, on. Neil Young could not Get handle it. Get out of here. Get the fuck out of Neil only, Young. He was the only one that showed up outside of MC5. That's fucking nuts. And then to play for eight hours. <laughs> I know. That's just what insane. What the hell? Eight hours. Wow. I, I I was blown away when I when I was reading about that. This is this is a band that, that doesn't have a lot of material. They have not released an album by this time. They have yeah. no they have no albums under their belt. It's and all it's all word of playing mouth. Backlog. It's all word of mouth. That's what it is at this point. I mean, yeah, they're playing covers and shit, but it's it's the stage presence, it's the 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 chaos that that they that they exude from their 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 playing. It's fucking it's insane, man. It's fucking insane. I think this guy John Sinclair really helped them to be this this movement this thing because all like in the in the before their first album came out they're posting all these pictures of them with no shirts holding like guns and rifles and upside down flags and just really embedding themselves into this like counterculture movement in an aggressive fashion. Yeah, yeah. Woo boy. Woo boy. It's fucking crazy. And, and don't forget, like, 1964 is when the Civil Rights Act was passed. So you think, you know, a, a month prior to 1964, it was okay to 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 judge people, to hire people, to restrict people to do things based just off of the race, uh, the color of their skin. We mm-hmm. had to pass a law to forbid that. That was 1964. This is still new. I know. Rosa Parks had just sat on the bus, not even 10 years prior to that. This is this is a tumultuous time in U.S. history. God, it must have been. I can't even imagine what it was like. In 1967, one of the worst riots in in the history of the United States, the the, the Detroit riots. Detroit riots. Yeah. Forty five people are dead because Five police days. raid. Police, police raid. I mean, this this goes in, in, in along the line of the lyrics of one of the songs here, which is one of my mm-hmm. bangers. So do you, wait. Do you want to wait on that? We yeah, we, we can wait on that. We, I'm, okay, getting, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm all fired up, kid. I'm all fired up. Yeah, no, no, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. So, so lyrically, I do want to touch on the lyrics on, on Kick Out the Jams because I, I think the lyrics are, they're silly and they were based off of them wanting to just kick other bands off the stage who just jam too much because they pretty much just say, nobody wants to hear this shit. They just want to hear fast rock and roll. So yeah. that's that's the song. There's no, there's no really politi- political, you know, undertone to the song or to the lyrics it's just get the fuck off the stage you're yeah, playing too it's long good old-fashioned rock is rock and roll yeah i love it i love i love that how simple the lyrics are in this but everybody takes it out of context 
Oh, and then we got to talk about the opening line. Kick out the jams, motherfucker. Yeah, that's what this whole thing came to. to <laughs> that's what he, yeah, didn't even talk about it. So, yeah, what, what what do you got? So, like, the opening line of, of kick out the jams, motherfuckers, that and I still can definitively tell whether or not they recorded it as kick out the jams, motherfuckers, or kick out the jams, brothers and sisters, because he recorded both versions, but mm-hmm. I still could not definitively say or tell or read which one was actually meant for the album because Wayne Kramer and Rob, the fuck's his name? Tyne? Rob Tyner. Tyner. Because both of them said something different. One of them said that, yeah, we had recorded Kick Out the Jazz Brothers and Sisters meant for the album, but normally we would do the Kick Out the Jazz Motherfuckers, but we didn't mean that to be for the album. And then the other person was like, no, nah, we, we wanted Motherfuckers on the album, but then the label said no. So I don't know for sure, but... The original pressings of this, the uncensored version, not only has kick out the jams, motherfuckers, but it's a gateful jacket. And on the inner jacket, there are notes by John Sinclair. And John Sinclair gets pretty, pretty aggressive and kind of like you need to stand up and, and, and fight against the oppressive nature of the government. And it gets it gets very aggressive. And at the end of it, it says, like, you got to kick out the fucking jam or you got to kick out the jams, motherfuckers. And that's how it ends. But then that that excerpt itself is also edited on various pressings. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So to so, find a to find an original pressing that still has "Kick Out the Jams, Motherfuckers" vocally and then "Kick Out the Jams, Motherfuckers" lyrically is is a is a feat in itself. Yeah. So I I have this record on vinyl, and my version is the censored version. He does say "brothers and sisters," so that's the well, one. You're I talking. Have. You're talking a difference between like a. A ten to fifteen dollar vinyl uh, to like a seventy five to eighty five dollar version. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which, if I found like I, I, I don't know if I have self control or not. If I, if I found like an original uncensored one, vocally and lyrically, I'd probably buy it. I mean, probably would. At this point in our collecting career, I think I would, I would, I would buy an OG. Even if it was like seventy dollars, I think I, I think might I'd buy it because of the history behind it and and all that. So and, yeah, they they, yeah. they they dropped this. It was a big deal, and then this this I can't remember what the fucking name of this stupid defunct department store J C Penny bootleg thing that I don't care about. <laughs> they said, "Yeah, we're Hudson's. not going to carry this." Hudson. Hudson's, yeah, don't give a fuck. Yeah. Hudson said, "You're not going to carry it," and so the band said, "Okay." Um, took out a full page ad in one of the. The magazines and it did, you know, it basically said "fuck Hudson's." So kick out the jams, motherfuckers, and fuck Hudson's. <laughs> but it had like the Electra logo on it. So Hudson was like, "Okay, fuck us, yeah, all right." So they phoned up Electra and they said, "Hey, um, we're not only going to stop carrying MC5 stuff, but we're also going to stop carrying all Electra stuff, which means they're not going to carry the Doors." Yeah, and the Doors yeah. are blowing up right now. The Doors are making a lot of money. And so Electra was like, okay, bye guys, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> How quickly they dropped them. Well, yeah, dude, when, like, when your label is making Doors money and you're worried about these guys from Detroit that are making no money, Yeah. from a business standpoint, <laughs> I get it. I understand it. Fucked up, but it's funny. It's crazy, man. I love that story. I love that story. How they just, they <laughs> did not give a fuck. Did not care. <sighs> yeah. Yep, yep. And then it's cool, like Wayne Kramer, the guitarist, he, I mean, all the stuff he did with, with this band and then after this band, all the the different groups and stuff that he produced, he ended up producing 
in the 90s, like early 90s, the Gigi Allen record. And we, I mean, if you know anything about controversial music, Gigi Allen is considered like one of the most controversial cake. like artists of all time. And then Wayne Kramer produces one of his records. That's pretty, that, I thought that was really cool. Really, really cool. I mean, I don't like Gigi Allen, but his his significant his significance in punk music and music in general I've, is uh, it's big. It's important, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I thought I thought that was a cool little fun fact. But damn, kick out the jams, man! Killer kick song. And then the, the Spotify jams. version doesn't even have the brothers and sisters. It just kick out the jams, and then it gets into the song. So <laughs> Spotify version is the worst. Yeah, that that is the worst one. But there's anyway. there's no reason not to have just all versions default to the uncensored version, right? And then if you want to hear the censored version, then you can hear it. Then you could be a bitch and go listen to it. Yeah, but I still don't know like which version was was actually meant to be recorded for the the the, the album because I heard Wayne Kramer and Rob say something different. Well, let's just let's give them the benefit of the doubt and. It was supposed to be the uncensored version. Let's go with that. That his legend, opening, that story. Because opening line is 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 Rob like, like hey, brothers and sisters like raise your hand in a very like churchy type of feeling. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, I don't know. But yeah, but I would that like ma- to believe that, that, that motherfucker. That makes the motherfucker even cooler though, because he makes it seem like you're at church or you're like in a place of worship, and then he throws out the fucker. So. And then also, also kind of not not a controversy, but something to kind of note. At that same year jefferson airplane put out a song uh with the word motherfucker in it as well but it never got the the same sort of attention that this song did so keep that in mind too because that's kind of fucked up yeah jefferson airplane stupid so let's move on let's get into your uh your 2b just like a banger what do you got so my 2B um, was my 1B until I went back and listened to Kick Out the Jams and then demoted it to 2B. But it's this is a beyond banger. And that's I Want You Right Now. Okay, that's my... I will say that's my 2B as well. That is my this, 2B. This it's was my good. 1B. This was... I I was just like, wow, man. This is, this is heavy metal. We are listening to heavy metal music right now. And yeah, yeah. they don't even know it. Black Sabbath doesn't even know it because they were. This is not a 1969 song that they wrote for this album. This is a song they've been playing for years prior to this. Yeah. So we yeah. we are hearing a band essentially start punk rock. We are hearing a band start heavy metal. We are hearing a band do so many different genres that they don't even understand. That they won't even be around for to really appreciate the full extent of I what's know. happening. Like these guys could have toured with Deep Purple. They could have opened for Sabbath. They could have opened for anybody they could open for anybody but they're they were i don't want to say forgotten for years but i guess yeah they were forgotten for years yeah i mean this one, this this one gets deep this one gets deep it chugs pretty damn good i mean again you down to these guitars a little bit dress them up all black attire maybe put like a pentagram behind them you got sabbath <laughs> i know like i put that i put that too i said the big heavy rips rips riffs are tony iomi the the drums sound like bill ward they're 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 very kind of like big bombastic sounding drums and even his 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 vocal delivery is similar to ozzy in the very early days of sabbath on that first sabbath record 
just the way Ozzy sings and the way that Rob sings on this record are so, so similar. And then there are moments also when Rob sings like in a higher, higher octave. It reminds me a lot of uh, Robert Plant. And I thought that was really rad. Because I mean, all these bands came out at the same time, really. Yeah. In the late 60s. The difference, see, like the, the difference was, is that MC5 had been touring for a solid four or five years. They've been yeah. playing these yeah. shows. They've been playing these songs for a solid four to five years. But they've been a band for, you know, eight years. Whereas like a band like Zeppelin, Sabbath, had been a band for X amount of years. And then mm-hmm. immediately started to tour and play songs but release an album within like a year of them forming. Whereas these guys have been working on these songs for fucking seven years. So they've yeah. been playing this song four years prior to Zeppelin or Sabbath dropping heavy metal onto the masses. It's pretty fucking wild. The sa- <laughs> the, I mean, just the similar similarities to Sabbath just blows me away. I, I mean, honestly, it, I could not crazy. fucking believe how, how heavy and chuggy this was. So I, I know this wasn't written by them. It was written by, uh, by people by two two people named Colin Frechter and Larry Page, but there's really not much written about these these no. people. There's really nothing. So I don't like even when you go on to like their their Wikipedia or whatever, it doesn't even mention the song. Like the, yeah, I, I I don't I wouldn't even consider this a song written by them. I feel like this is just a song written by MC Five. I I attribute that to to like sometimes when people I mean like Ramble and Rose for instance when you take a song that was written by somebody else but then you change it to make it your own song but then the person that you took it from didn't even write it anyway it was a cover from a different person that yeah, was a cover yeah. from a different person that wrote it for like a, a fucking live stage performance or something so it's like things get lost in translation but now because of the internet we can go back and and really definitively say, oh, because this lyric is the same exact thing from a different song, therefore you now have to give credit to that person. That's what I think of, the, of this, of that of that. I don't know, songwriter credits. Yeah, I agree. Because I, I that, highly that, doubt. I mean, to believe this song, "Ramblin' Rose," uh, are even even sound similar in the slightest. And I even tried looking up. I want you right now, and I put like those those two songwriters in there, and there's no there's nothing. No. I couldn't find anything. So I I don't really I couldn't really find any backstory on these guys or how this song was written in, originally. So I'm just gonna leave it as an MC5 song because it is, and the song is fucking awesome. I choose to not believe. <laughs> True. So let's play let's play a little bit of uh, I want you right now. We'll get into a little bit more of the music and then some of the lyrics as well. So here it is. I want you right now from MC five.
There we go. I want you right now. From MC5. Damn, it's good stuff. Pretty, pretty good stuff. I like, um, mm-hmm. overall, I like how quiet the crowd is. And I, I, I assume that they're just trying to mix the crowd out to get mm-hmm. rid of a lot of the noise. But there's sometimes when the mics are picking up like subtle feedback or subtle noises from the vocalist and you still don't hear the crowd. And yeah. so they, there's no way for them to mix that out because you would never, if the crowd is constantly making noise, you're still going, it's still going to come through in the mix. You're still going to hear it. True. But you don't hear the crowd a lot. So I'm wondering like these crowds just fucking know, like they know that when these guys are going crazy, just shut the fuck up and watch, enjoy it. Right. <laughs> enjoy <laughs> They're probably the shit all in. show. They're probably all in awe just watching them play. They have to be. They have to be because there's no way if this crowd was not quiet, you would hear it. You would hear it yeah. in some of these parts where his voice is kind of like trailing off. Like You would hear the crowd. You would hear background noise and you don't. So they are. They are sitting back in awe of how amazing this album is or being recorded is. Yeah. It was recorded for two nights. Yeah, it was. It was. Like, it's, like, like we said in, in the grand, grand Ballroom in Detroit. Oh, I also wanted to mention too. So this album was recorded like over a thousand people were there. And sadly, they they played one of their their last shows at that same venue in 1973. Yeah, it was 1973 and only a couple dozen people were there. Yeah. When Kramer like stor- stormed off stage cuz he's all mad. Yeah, after two songs, he was he was so pissed he left the stage. That's like, insane. Come on, man. Like what do you what do you expect though? Yeah. Yeah, after being so controversial, yeah. After being so controversial, after fucking a ridiculous battle with drug addiction for many, many years, you come back on stage and what? Like everyone's just supposed to just come back and then pick up where they left off? Like, come on. That's but damn, can you imagine just working so hard and just building that fan base for, you know, seven, eight years and then you come or seven years and then you come back and play that same venue only a few years later? And you only draw a few dozen people. I mean that that's that's a pretty big hit to anybody's ego. Because that honestly, sucks. like I think their I think their studio albums are good. Yeah, yeah. But again, they were just, like Grand Funk is doing the same sound better to more people. Everybody else is doing the same sound. Now we have Sabbath dropping albums in the early seventies. Zeppelin True. has finally hit their stride in the seventies, early seventies. Come on, guys. Yeah, yeah. And they've also, you know, been banned from half the country, half the country's venues. So there's so good. (laughs) (laughs) So awesome. I know. I think that's so rad. So, yeah, I want you right now. I mean, what's really cool about this song, too, is is the the kind of buildups and the, the ups and downs of the song, too. This is almost like a almost like a kind of prog rock song. Not not jammy in any real sense, but just kind of the, the way, way it's structured. Built, yeah, yeah. I, agree. I really like this song. It's it's fucking good. When they drop back into the main riff, like they 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 make it insanely heavy. They they mm-hmm. they come in hard. Yeah, yeah. I like that because the riff is good. The riff is fantastic. It is. I mean, it, honestly, I mean, obviously, it's not not like Tony Iommi level kind of like that. Icon those iconic riffs, but dude, this is the this is the 
definitely the predecessor of that for sure. This is the template of what of what heavy metal is going to be. Yeah. It's just MC5 man. Talk about just an underrated band. It's uh, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. They they deserve so much more credit, and especially <laughs> yeah. the Sex Pistols, especially the Ramones, and even the Clash. I mean, they're they're just brushed under the rug way too much. It sucks. I agree. But anyway, anyway, uh, do we have anything left on "I Want You Right Now"? No, that's uh, that's it. That's all. I mean, lyrically, there's not really anything here. There's not a ton. Of I here. wrote uh, "I Want You Right Now" is about wanting somebody. <laughs> yeah, just wanting a girl so he can sleep with her. That's it. That's what I put. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> and then I mean, like I want to, I do want to say, there's nothing wrong with that. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. But like, don't expect me to sit here and pretend like your lyrics are anything deeper than just childhood lust. <laughs> true. True. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So then, what's your what's your three B? So this was my 2B until I went back and listened to um, Kick Out the Jams again. Mm-hmm. This is the, th- these are the only two songs that were ahead of Kick Out the Jams before I went back and listened to it again and reaffirmed that that song was perfect. Um, but Motor City is Burning. That's Dude, my that's 3B. my 3B. That's my yeah. 3B too. That oh was my, my 2B, that's, but this is my 3B. <laughs> oh. Dude, we are... We are I, doesn't happen often where we agree so much. These two songs, honestly, Motor City Burning and I Want You Right Now, I, I like to say that I was blown away by these is, is like an understatement. They, I, I was so impressed. I was actually impressed by these yeah, songs. Yeah. And they're completely different. They're fucking completely different songs. I know. So you ended up listening. Because so this song, Motor City is Burning, it was originally a John Lee Hooker song. Right. And and I, I went back and listened to that. Um, yeah. I, I think the John Lee Hooker version is fucking amazing. Yes. But, but this version is so different. It's so much heavier. It's so much grittier. And it's just, it's just, a, wild, it's just a wild song. They're, they're different. That's, wow, that's the thing. And, and, and John Lee Hooker is just unfucking touchable blues musician. Untouchable. Yeah, yeah. But they are different. They're different. Even though they're kind of saying the same thing, they're different in in how they're worrying about like societal issues. And Motor City Burning is just the way I guess the route MC five took it is more of like a call to arms, more of like a let's 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 do this. They can't fucking stop us. Mm-hmm. Let's do this kind of approach. And I like yeah, that. Yeah. And I love it because I mean it opens up with another calling out of like the rich elite, right? Calls them honkies. That's fucking hilarious. I love that. Mm-hmm. And but this is a clear as day blues song. It's it's oh without that's a doubt. what it is. But it's got a good bluesy drum shuffle. It's got some good lead parts. The bass staying true to the rhythm. Everything is everything is textbook. Everything is textbook. But you can tell these guys aren't that great. Yeah, and yeah. that's where it kind of I don't want to say falls apart, but that like their their amateur style starts to bleed through slowly, slowly. And like the the first guitar solo, the way he climbs on the guitar while bending the notes is rad. And I time stamped it. It's at one fifty. Ooh. Because okay. it's amazing. Usually we'd hear some type of like scale, right? That mm-hmm. ends on the octave note and it continues the solo in just in, in, in two one or two, three octaves higher. But here it's like dumbed down to just single notes and he's just bending them. You go, right. <laughs> 
like, that's so dumb. That's so that's so bad. Yeah. But like, yeah. what that is doing is that's eliminating all fluff. That's eliminating all filler, and is giving us five notes to hold on to. And like, isn't that what really like punk rock is about? Yeah, it it, it just totally dumbing is. dumbing down music to where we can digest it easier because punk rock is essentially dumbed down music. Mm-hmm. But then putting it into kind of like a fuck you, I'm gonna I'm 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 gonna do what I want with this, and that's what happens here. And the second solo, the second solo is way cool too because both guitars are getting into it now. Right, they're both doing something. The lead is soloing, but the rhythm is just wailing away on those mini chords. And it just sounds like shit. It's so. It sounds like shit. It's terrible. It's there's so many fucking noises going on. It does, but. I love just how how disgusting it sounds. Like it, it just sounds so beautiful. Like it, it I mean, I don't want to say maybe not beautiful, but it, it the charm behind it, it it it's I love it. I fucking It love really it. reminds me of when we used to practice and we used to jam and our our most favorite parts were the ones where we all just play whatever the fuck we want. Like that go. And then like that thing. <laughs> yeah. But we yeah, all just yeah, have yeah. a good time. But we know when to come in. We know when to reel it in. We know when to come <laughs> in because we practice so many times together. Yeah, and you, yeah. me, Mike Grant, and Joe, we're all just noodling and going off and looking at each other and smiling and giggling and just having a good time. <laughs> we all we all would have this giant grin on our face, like, oh, we're having so much fun. Like we couldn't contain our excitement. Yeah. But then we know stupid. when to reel it in. We know exactly when to come in at the end and then finally finish the song. But that middle part, like that middle part was was madness. And it no, was so yeah. much fun. And that's what that second solo reminds me of. It's just two guys like probably that. looking at each other, goofing around, smiling, thinking like, dude, this sounds dope, but it sounds like shit. <laughs> <laughs> just having like a good time. God, it's so good. Yeah, it's fucking rad. I I, I never really thought of it in that in that way, but makes me like it even more now. That's cool. That's that dude. This right? song is, is is super. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. Couple buds having a good time. Yeah. Couple I'm dudes you shitting though, around. That that first solo, man. Those little bends. Those should little I bends should I just start here. with that that solo? Well, we got a lot to talk about here. So if you want to just play the solo, I, I stamped it at one fifty. That's like five seconds before the solo starts. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll I'll start I'll start the song. I'll play the song and I'll, I'll start it at that that moment so here it is uh motor city is burning from mc5 There's a little bit of uh, Motor City is Burning. We'll probably play a little bit. 
more of the song. Some other. What fun. do you think of that solo though? That that me me me. No, I love it. Meep. I love how kind of amateur it, it does sound, but it 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 gives the, it gives the song so much character, especially coming off of the the John Lee Hooker one, which you know is is so it's so perfect. Because <laughs> I mean, John Lee Hooker, like you said, the I'm guy fucking touchable. Yeah, you can't you can't fuck with him. His, his his style, his tone, dude, especially his tone, and and the tone in in his in the, in his version of this song. Oh my God, dude! Talk about just the. The the tone that any guitar player, clean guitar player, would want in in their sound. I mean, it, it's just perfect. It's beyond perfect. But I I just love the the simplicity that Wayne Kramer throws into this. It's perfect. That's, it's what it's what the song needs. Because just I mean, just because I'm not a great guitar player, when yeah, I jam, that's the type of solo that I would do. Because I, I I'm not gonna go do 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 Yeah, you're not gonna play all these crazy scales. Because I I just physically cannot, and I I don't I don't want to put in the time to be able to do it. So therefore, I would just go meow 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 meow, and I would laugh. I would like that was acceptable. We can now move forward, and I'm happy with that. And that's like why like you know what I mean? Like why do solos have to be so complex? Like that's why I get so. Like disenfranchised listening to Sodals because Sodals. 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 S O D D L E S. Sodals. I like Sodals. Sodals. <laughs> I like Sodals. I like Sodals. <laughs> oh my God. That's that good. Was, that was That's good. good. That was a good one. You did get that, one. You funny there. That that might be the opener of this episode. I like Sotals. Oh my god! I I get so disenfranchised with Sotals because <laughs> I don't I don't think that everybody needs to just fucking oh. wank. If you're Van Halen, you can wank. If you're Jimmy Page, you can wank. But like sometimes, come on, man, just dumb it down. Yeah, agree. Put it in terms agreed. I will understand. Or just play to the song. Like not every song needs a wanky solo. Do, like, doing something like, like this is so easy to just solo on top of too because it's just it's been done a billion fucking times. Yeah, and when you can do something different and kind of unique to yourself, it adds so much more character to a song than just playing the scale or whatever. You know, it, it's yeah, I agree. I agree with you. Like honestly, like this, this, this is a basic blues song, and we've heard this a billion times, mm-hmm. but we've never heard it like this. Honestly, God, I, I never know. heard it like I this. Know. I totally, I know. And I, so up to this point on this record, you know, the band was really all over the place. They It almost sounded like to the point where they could barely keep it together. They were about to fall apart, especially with Borderline. Borderline is the song where it's just like, dude, th- th- they're going to fall apart. Like, I've never, I've never heard a band this close to falling apart. In the middle of a song, but Borderline almost hits that, and then you get Motor City is burning, and you're like, "Holy shit, this band could actually groove!" Like the, it's it it's almost night and day with how falling apart this band is compared to how well that they can groove. Because yeah, it's not it's not as groovy as as a normal blues rock song, but it's still pretty damn good. Like the rhythm section is pretty solid, still. And this this honestly sounds that. like. Like something that we would hear a punk band in 2022 
cover and do the exact same thing. And we think like, oh, eh, that's all right. Like I've heard that before. But like this is fucking 1969. Yeah, I know. Like, we have not heard this before. Like nobody's heard this before. No one's heard 12 bar blues being played this badly, but also this originally. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, blues man. is great, but my God, it's the same fucking song over and over and over. It is. It is. Like we've not. In 1969, we have not heard blues being this original. You just have it. All right. So, do we want to play? What, what do we want to play? Anything else from this song? I, whatever you want to do. I mean, play we, more, we can, talk about. It. I got a lot of notes written for the lyrics. Whatever you want to do. That's what I'm saying. Like, should, should we just jump into the lyrics and get into the riots and and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, let's let's get into it. Okay. So, just real quick, because I think you probably have a little bit more notes than I do written on this, but. This this song is about the 1967 Detroit riots, five day riot, um, one of the biggest riots in in U.S. history, only to be surpassed by the 1992 Rodney King riots, and prior to to this, I think the the biggest riot was in New York in 1836, maybe the Civil War draft, and uh, yeah, so yeah, take it away, I guess, right. Yeah, I mean, like, like lyrically, it's about being, it's about Detroit being torn apart. Like on a yeah. macro level, it's a small glimpse into like the racial tensions in big cities in the U.S. Like mm-hmm. the lyrics, like you said, revolve around a riot that broke out in '67. Like we mentioned earlier, like dude, three years prior to this, four, five, six, yeah, three years prior to this, is we had to pass a bill banning people from discriminating against race, like. You have to actually insane. physically tell people this with your mouth. You cannot do this. You know what I mean? That's like, come on. Uh, it's, whatever. Wild. And then, like, prior to that, not even, like, again, like, I like bringing the Rosa Parks things up because it's fucking insane to me, like, the actual story of what she did and didn't do. Like, 10 years even prior to that, like, she just fucking sat down on a bus after working her ass off all day and then wouldn't move because she was tired and then got arrested for it. Like, this is yeah. just, this is absolutely insane to me. And it's not that long ago. This is not that long ago. And so, you know, yeah. police raid in the, in the 1967 hour, police raid uh, an after-hours bar. And they were there, like, celebrating people coming home from the Vietnam War. Tensions were high because it was, like, a predominantly black bar and everybody in there was African-American. So tensions were high and a, a riot broke out because the police pulled everybody out and decided to, uh, to arrest everybody. Because, yep. you know, it's three in the morning and everyone's drinking and having a good time because they didn't fucking die in Vietnam. So, yeah, yeah. let's arrest them. Let's also, the, them up. also, one of the excuses for raiding the bar was because it was an unlicensed bar. And the bar was called the Blind Pig. Oh, which, my God. That was like the biggest thing that I took away from this just because it's so stupid. and I love it so much. <laughs> I never how, I didn't know this story of like the why speakeasies are called like the blind pig or the blind tiger or the blind anything yeah i, I didn't really it, know that either yeah, or it's because it. like during like prohibition blind pigs you, you would pay money to go see something crazy like oh come see the blind pig and you know pay us <laughs> 10 bucks and you get a free beer and that's like early days that's how they like circumvent the 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 prohibition era stuff is mm. you pay money for something else but then get a free beer and then they made me think of like Russian River and Blind Pig, and I was like, "Oh wow, I like that even more now." Yeah, or there's like like even here in in Southern California in Orange County, there's a there's a, a 
a gastropub called the Blind Pig. Oh, expensive, so expensive gastropub that sells mediocre food, but sells a lot of like craft beer and shit. Oh, it's so cool. So that's a thing. I love that's that. That's kind of how I know. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, man. Like Detroit's getting tur- torn apart here, and and it just like it. I don't know. I, again, like hindsight's gonna be gonna be easier here because we can sit back on our pedestal and say, oh yeah, obviously this was going to happen. But with like the influx of African Americans moving away from the South and upward into the United States from the into these big cities from the early 1900s into now, there's no housing. It, mm-hmm. These people are, are are escaping like these harsh Jim Crow laws. And they're going upwards into like Chicago, into Detroit. There's no fucking housing for these people. And not only that, but they're like they're there's they're suffering police brutality, high unemployment, poor living conditions, yeah. continued segregation. It's only a matter of time. What did you yeah. fucking think was gonna happen? And so like this is just this this is just like the 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 straw that broke the camel's back, right? This is just like the tipping point. Things are, are are building, 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 and then now we have these police pulling people out in the middle of the street at three in the morning, fucking minding their own business, and now a riot breaks out, and the mayor's kind of like, eh, well, it's not that big of a deal. It'll probably just go away on its own. It gets worse. It gets worse. It gets worse. And then like the national guard gets call- called in, and like the military gets called in, and then they just start like shooting people. Just fucking, it's fucking insane. At, at some point, a tank gets brought in and, and just starts unloading like a 50 cal machine gun into like a building and kills some like four year old girl hiding from said <sighs> tank. And it's just, they're just indiscriminately firing into buildings at this point. And this is, uh, this is America 1967. This is the height of the hippie movement. This is the summer of love, 1967. 1967 yeah. is the summer of love. And it's that, like, like, again, I really, I really dig like the hippie movement. I, I like it. I, Woodstock, like, come on, this is amazing that half a million people can show up, and like, people really didn't really get hurt that all that much, as if it were to happen today. But it just shows you like how fucking, how disillusioned America was in 1967 to think that oh yeah, the summer of love, like. What are you talking about, dude? Like the civil rights in 1967, there were rights all over the U.S. People were dying left and right, predominantly African American. Mm-hmm. Like, how can you call this a summer of love when when your own citizens are dying left and right? And an interesting little fact on on this entire incident: uh, George Romney was the governor of Michigan at the time, and George Romney ordered, uh, I think it was like something like over a hundred. Uh, Army National Guard to to go to Detroit and and help you know help with the riots and everything like that. But the son of George Romney is Mitt Romney. You know, hey boy Mitt Romney ran ran for president in 2012 against Barack Obama. And uh, you know, there's been some controversy with Mitt, Mitt Romney. But I just thought that was a fun. It was an interesting little fact that Mitt Romney's yeah. father was the governor of Michigan at this time. He's a senator from Utah. Fucking Mitt Romney. Come on, Mitt Romney. Come on. <laughs> the fuck out of here. The fuck do you know? But yeah, George Romney. Yeah, governor. Sent a lot of people to go fight against the people of of uh, Detroit during these riots. Man, and then and then like the, like did you read the, the the Algiers hotel incident? Did you read anything about this? I don't think so. Dude, like just oh my god, like. If you read about this Algiers, I think it's called the Algiers Hotel in, or Motel incident. 
This is mm-hmm. during this this riot. These these police essentially get got went into this hotel. And a lot of different accounts happened, but essentially three people were killed. Three or four people were, were killed. Some people say they were executed. And the police tactics that were used were like fake executions. So they would Jeez. like question people and they bring like one person into a room and then pretend they executed him to, to make the other people uh, uh, confess to things. They yeah. stripped women of their clothes, like fondled them, made yeah. fun of them. Like it's... It is brutal. It is fucking brutal. It is insane. And here we are. Here we are, Electra, getting mad at uh, MC5 for saying, um, kick out the jams, motherfuckers. <laughs> when know, just right? not even two years fucking prior, your city is on fire. Your citizens are dead in the streets. Businesses are still recuperating from that incident. Yeah. And I here think we this, are is, complaining this is about one music. of the first... Like I, I know, I know Vietnam has always been the Vietnam War has always been considered like the first war that's ever been caught on tape that that was televised. That the first war that was televised, and this this uh, riot in 1967, I think, was the first major riot to ever be televised and reported extensively in the newspapers and magazines and everything. Like this got like front page coverage on Time Magazine, Life Magazine as well as national news, probably international news too, on top of everything else. And that's it's the first of its kind. And I mean, this is like the kickoff to what we know as modern media, much like the Vietnam War was. Like that I was think, the... I, yeah. I think this has to do with with like like John Sinclair. I mean, I, I, I mean, there's a lot of stuff happening in the 60s. But like John Sinclair and, and his and his peoples, the White Panthers, they are they're militant. They're people going out and actively defying the government. And then the whole like 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 COINTELPRO stuff, the the, the counterintelligence program yeah. that was raided, right? That would like uh, I don't even I, I'm trying to reel it in here. There's just so many things. <laughs> There's a lot, yeah. There's so many fucking things. I didn't even know until this week either that that the FBI sent Martin Luther King a a a a letter, a suicide letter, like encouraging him to to commit suicide. Yeah, isn't that because wild? they just wanted him they wanted him gone. And this is this is all this is all part of the same thing. And 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 uh, this is the 60s. This is this yeah. is the, the summer of love. <laughs> right? It was, like, it was all a psyop, baby. <laughs> The whole hippie movement, all that counterculture, was all a giant psyop. That's a fun rabbit hole. Get into that. Well, it, I mean, it, you know, it, it's it's based in reality because if we if we go back to uh, our boys in the Grateful Dead, a lot of those guys that were distributing <laughs> LSD in the in the West Coast and in, in Frisco area, these guys were a part of, of of CIA operations to see, hey, what would happen if you took this much LSD? If you took this much acid? What is going to happen? Let me film you. Let me, uh, let me, let me help you distribute and and not charge you accordingly. Because John Sinclair would sentenced to ten years in prison for two joints, whereas guys in the Grateful Dead were charged, I don't know, six months for pounds and pounds and pounds of LSD. Yeah, or you look at Wayne Wayne Kramer too. You know, after the MC Five disbanded, Wayne Kramer he went to federal prison for three years for for trying to sell weed to some undercover FBI agent. Come on. Yeah. Come on. That's stupid. Yeah. 
silly boy talk. It's insane. Yeah, it is. And yet, also, the MC5 didn't read this... got never like we've talked about. MC Five never really got the recognition they deserved. But why is that? They were doing everything, you know, that the hippie movement and 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 the counterculture were doing, but in a more a little bit more extreme way. But they were never as popular. They got busted way more than the guys from the Doors, than like you said, the great, especially the Grateful Dead guys. It's it's so weird. It's so fucking weird. Dude, Baird from the Grateful Dead was the largest supplier of LSD on the West Coast. Yeah. Like, he was a drug kingpin. Yeah. Like, that's a nice way to put a drug kingpin. You are the fucking Scarface of LSD on the <laughs> West Coast. Like, come on. That's what you are. And you can't tell me that that was not some sort of planned planned thing. You know, it's it's just silly. It's straight silly boy talk. Straight I didn't I didn't know talk. I didn't know that the whole the whole documents from from that 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 COINTELPRO were were stolen by supposedly like a citizens uh, uh, gang. A bunch of people broke mm-hmm. into the the FBI building, stole all these documents, and then leaked them to the press. The send them to the press. Oh, I I didn't know that. It's so like the whole, like the whole uh, counterintelligence program, all of their secrets. Oh my God, this is insane! All of their secrets that they had against the entire—it's so fun, it's so exciting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all the secrets that they've been compiling, and and uh, you know because they they're, they're trying to infiltrate what they perceive as radical groups. So so uh, like Nation of Islam, um, Black Panthers, obviously. Anything mm-hmm. that they they perceive as a threat against the United States, which realistically, even they perceive against like Christianity or, or white United States wasps, that's what they're going to go against. And so, this this group called the Citizens the Citizens Commission something they broke into to the FBI building, and they they so like it has since been documented or, or interviewed these people that were involved in it in like. What was this? The the early seventies. So they've since been since been uh, interviewed since then, and they said, "Oh yeah, here has here is how we did it. Here's why we did it. Here's why we waited forty five years to talk about it." And like half these people like fled to Canada because they were afraid of like repercussions. Mm-hmm. But they they surveilled the fucking the, the FBI building for weeks, and they did it on the night of the big Ali versus Frazier fight oh, because shit. they knew that at the time. They couldn't televise the fights, but the radio broadcasts would give summaries after each round. Mm-hmm. And they knew that the people, like, who's not going to watch the fucking Frazier Ali fight? You know what I mean? Or listen yeah, to yeah, it at it was, least. It was huge. Like, yeah. The entire America is going to be fixated on this fight. And so they waited until, like, the end of one round, broke into the building because all the cops were off the street because everybody's watching the fight or they're listening to the fight. And they stole all these documents, like a thousand different papers of documents. And then immediately went to a payphone, called called some uh, New York Post or Times or whatever it was, and and said, "Here's what we did. Here's why we're doing it. Stay tuned." And sifted through all the documents, and then sent them out to all the major publications, and then disappeared for thirty five, forty years. Hmm. And then like there has been massive like inquiries onto who these people were. And nobody ever talked. Some of the people that that came out later and said, "Yes, I was involved in it." After the statute of limitations were was expired, they said, "Yes, I was involved in it. Yes, I was questioned. I never was a rat, though. Nobody ever ratted each other out. Nobody ever took like a deal. Nobody was arrested." And this is what happened. 
and all these documents were, were released and, and that whole thing like that that's how we know that the fbi sent martin luther king a, a, an encouraging suicide letter and and that's also how we know too that 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 muhammad ali was also being investigated by COINTELPRO as as being anti-american yeah because he was which is, he was muslim uh, yeah which is ironic because that they did the night of the fight <laughs> right yeah oh my god dude should we become a conspiracy podcast or like a anti-government podcast is that what we should do it's good times it's 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 uh it's good times but this is all this all comes back to like this guy john sinclair john sinclair Mm -hmm. like does not give a shit he's he's in the heart of this he says yeah let's 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 start this white panther movement let's mimic the black panthers we want to to encourage what is happening here and and i don't know bring it to the masses yeah and they were accepted by the black panther movement like it wasn't, it wasn't something that they just did like willy nilly. It was they they were. I don't want to say they asked for permission, but it was it was something that was that was accepted and not not an issue. So, I think cool. too. Like, I think like Malcolm X's mom was like assassinated or something by the in some weird way that that people think. I don't know. Was maybe she? I don't fucking, know. Maybe I'm just bullshitting. Maybe I don't know. There's, there's a lot of weird shit. You're like Dale. You're becoming Dale from King of the Hill. Oh, dude. So good. <laughs> Honestly, though, like, check out uh, check out the the the, the COINTEL Pro stuff and how those documents got released. Like people broke into the fucking FBI building and stole it. I'm gonna. I'll look. I'll look more into it. I, oh, I always so like good. this kind of shit. Oh, like it's so good. Shit. All right, so let's get into all because I mean, of Wayne Kramer. <laughs> yeah. I'll, yeah, because of that. <laughs> so are, are we are we good with with this song? Yeah, I want you yeah. right now, or not? I want yeah. you right now. Motor City Burning. I want you right now. Motor uh, City so Madness. What's your uh, What's your four B? See if we uh, let's see if we match up. Ramblin' Rose. Ramblin' Rose. Holy shit! Okay, this is um, this is my six B. So mm. yeah. So the, what what do what do we got on this one? Uh, so like the opening of the album here is, is the opening of the concert mm-hmm. and we have him preaching to a crowd, encouraging them to make a choice of whether or not they'll essentially be followers or, or be part of the change. And this is, this is kind of getting into, into like the preachiness, the churchiness of this band, um, like the Motown, the Motown of Detroit, right? In the sixties, mm-hmm. like these this is it. These guys were highly influenced by, like we said, Sun Ra, by Farrell Sanders, by a lot of this freeform jazz stuff. But they're also very highly influenced by James Brown. Like yeah. they fucking love James Brown. They love this kind of Motown preachy the stuff, rock and roll stuff from the fifties. Like Live at the Apollo by James Brown. They were highly influenced by that, and here it is. We have a call and response. There's 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 stuff that's uh, I don't know. It's fun, and the music hasn't even started yet, right? I know, right? It, it's this, it's an awesome monologue. I love it. It's, it, but it's not. It's not like, it's not deep. It's not poetic. It's very. It's very punk rock. It's very dumbed it down. It's very simple. I mean, the the last few lines of that monologue are, brothers, it's time to testify. And I want to know, are you ready to testify? Are you ready? I give you a testimonial, the MC5. 
And that those lines remind me so much of Valiant Thor on Total Universe. Yes. Man. Yeah. Leading it I to think the showdown. Leading it. That, just that has that that beginning has to be like paying homage to this or mimic what is happening here. It has to be. I agree. I totally agree. And I would love Valiant Thor ten times more if that was like on purpose. It has to be. I, I mean, it, re- it really, really, really has to be. Fuck, man, I love, I love that Valiant Thor record. Have we done that record in the new format? I don't think we have. No. Fuck, man, we got to do that record. I don't even have in the vinyls yet. You, you just have our own, or the, the um, our own masters, right? Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, so 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 like <laughs> then the music drops in, right? And the bass yeah. match with the guitar is just it's overwhelmingly rich. It's a rich sound, even though the quality is kind of bad, you can still hear like a good dynamic sound. Uh, but my favorite parts are when Wayne is doing that high vocal thing. Oh, I know, it and like the, so the bad. music stops behind him, <laughs> and it's just like him kind of trailing off, and like that. That's when I really thought, like, okay, why is there no like like crowd noise in the back? Like these people have to be just going fucking nuts. And either they deliberately tried really, really hard to to take the crowd out of it, or it's just the crowd was was quiet. I don't know, but I, I like that a lot. I think it's just the crowds in the 60s, they were just like, they were tame. You know, that's just not how crowds were, unless you were like Elvis or the Beatles or or something like that, where you're just, a you know, 12 13 year old girls just screaming your head heads off and passing these out. crowds were nuts though they were, these but were they riot were, crowds i know but they weren't like screaming like girl like you know 12 year old girls like elvis and beatles that is true were. that is true you know, th- because these you are can more still be adults. a riot crowd and not scream yeah yeah i mean when you really think about it you go to a, any even nowadays you go to a punk show or anything nobody's like screaming at the band they're just like you know in the pit you know circling around shoving each other nobody's like screaming i mean if anything they're singing along but a band like mc5 in the late 60s nobody knows these songs they're not singing along these aren't sing-along songs you know it's just a much different time so i think that's why there's not a lot of you can't hear a lot of crowd crowd stuff yeah it's probably true and when you think about it too like we, we you and i just got into that that neil young record that acoustic record from what, 1971, 1972, that Young Shakespeare record? Yeah. Even on that record, it's an acoustic record, but the crowd is very quiet. Even on that record. They're being you know, respectful. That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, if a crowd for Neil Young, who was very popular at the time, is still that quiet, I don't know. It's just kind of, kind of just shows that era of music fandom. Unless you're it's a true, because if you watch... Band. If you watch like videos of when like the Ventures in like the late fifties were playing shows, yeah, everyone's sitting down. People sit down. <laughs> if they're they're in their chairs sitting down. It wasn't it wasn't until like the sixties where people started standing up and like well, dancing and and moving. Wasn't that a big thing with with? I mean, we, I think we just talked about this with Dick Dale as well. Like Dick Dale in the the early mid sixties. Yeah, he was he was one of the first artists to have like people dancing at shows. Otherwise, he got people banned. were just sitting there. Yeah, he got banned from shows. For doing like, that. like uh, Balboa, or like you cannot, you cannot fucking play shows because people don't sit the fuck down; they get crazy, and it was yeah. just them jumping up and having fun. <laughs> and that was what we, you know, sixty three to, you know, when when Dick Dale really started to play bigger crowds. 
So that was yeah. six, five, six years prior to this. Yeah, it's not a not a big big difference in time. So. Man, a lot of lot of lot of cool steps in music in the sixties. A lot of cool steps. Right. But yeah, I thought I thought this song "Ramble and Rose." It is a cover. Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis did uh, did sing and record this song a few years prior to this particular version, and um, I think this is kind of them mocking kind of maybe rock and roll they don't really like you know kind of sing because i mean it he rob is singing out of his his range like i it almost seems like he's just poking fun at other artists because why else would he sing like that unless you're trying to make fun of somebody else i i mean i think they liked jerry Lee lewis I, I think they liked this this style of rock and roll and that's why they're mimicking it i i, I have a hard time believing yeah. that they're going to go through all the trouble to learn the song, to flesh it out if they just want to make fun of it. So I, I, I think they do like the song. And uh, it's funny because cause um, I thought it was a Nat King Cole album because I've had this album like mm-hmm. three times. And it's called Ramblin' Rose, but it has nothing to do with the, the J. Lee Lewis song. But the Nat King Cole album, Ramblin' Rose, is a good album. But it's a dollar record album. But I've listened to it like three times. And it's really, really good. And mm-hmm. Nat King Cole is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Great. But it's it's dollar record stuff. So I I, I thought that's what this, this was at first, but it, it's not. Mm. Throw that out there. So should we play a little bit of Ramblin' Rose? Play a little Ramblin' Rose. At least, like the, at least that, that spoken word intro. Like we talked about it. Dude, it's so good. Here we go. Um, Ramblin' Rose from MC5. There you go, a bit of Ramblin' Rose, mostly the monologue. But the, the, the 
Introduction, I guess. Whatever. <laughs> Dude, it, it makes good? me it makes me want to listen to that Valiant Thor. Even even sounds like that like like the rasp in his voice sounds like him. Yeah. Well, like when he starts to get a little bit like screamy, it sounds like him. It, dude, I, I love Valiant Thor. Love that band. So, do we have anything mm-hmm. else on here? I mean, I will say after that after that monologue, the lyrics are stupid and lame and have nothing to do with that that initial monologue, right? No, not at all. It's it's this is uh this is one of the worst lyrically because they're covering a song by Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah. And Jerry yeah. Lee Lewis, I mean, there's no deeper fucking meaning to this. He's just a, a love interest. Probably his fucking underage his cousin. cousin. Yeah, his 14-year-old so, cousin. Like, that's, yeah, that's, that's what this, <laughs> this is probably about. Terrible. So I, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's why they covered this song and were making fun of the song. Because when, when did he get caught? Let's see here. It had to have been prior to 1968, eight or nine. I feel like that wasn't probably till like, Late no, 70s. I think it was early 60s. Cousin reveal. Let's let's see here. Ew. Disgusting. Yeah. So he married his cousin, his 13 year old cousin, in 1958. So I think by the time, I think she was 16 by the time it was kind of found out that it was his cousin. So that would have been three years after that, which would have made it 1961. So early 60s at the latest. He it was it was revealed to the public that he was married to his cousin at thirteen, uh, underage cousin, a yeah. severely underage cousin, very very underage cousin. Yes, disgusting. I mean, not like marrying your cousin cousin is exactly wrong because I feel like the royal family does that quite often. Oh, nah, it's true. It's true. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's good boy. times. Anyway, <laughs> I think I think this might be a jab at Jerry Lee Lewis. I really do. I really think it is because why the hell else would Rob sing like that? That's make... that's like the high. I think the high pitched vocals is Wayne singing. You think so? Yeah, uh, I, don't I think know. it's Wayne singing because it's bad. No, yeah, I know. It, it's 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 not, it's good. not good in any way. It's it's bad, bad, bad. But I I do like the idea of of the Jerry Lee Lewis scandal coming out, and these guys say, "Yeah, hey, we should cover a Jerry Lee Lewis song." What about love? At that, what about like true love? And that's I'm gonna go with that. Let's go with that. All right, we All can right. go with that. I like so, that. So Jerry Lee Lewis is still alive, by the way. He's he's like 86 now, and he he married his seventh wife just last year. Wow. Just last year, I'm reading that on uh, Reuters right now. Or I'm looking through that real quick on Reuters right now. But yeah, he's on what? I can never pronounce that that website right. Reuters. Are did he? What? Did he have children with his underage cousins when, I, when he was married to her? I don't think so. But now I'm really curious because that means like she would have given birth if they. Well, I don't think he said when they were divorced. Which I assume they were divorced because she's on seventh now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I think it might have been maybe his first wife. His cousin might have been his first wife. Fuck man. Now, I, now I, I just, I just kind of got to know real quick. God, what a so, fucking freak. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> it's really disgusting. Really, really disgusting. 
He's been married seven times, including the marriage with his underage cousin. Okay, they had two children together. No, did they really? Yeah, you take way too long. They had two children. Oh, yeah, you're right here, yeah. Steve Allen Lewis and... I think one of the children died really young. Yeah, three years old, it looks like. Two or three years old. But then the other one's still alive. The first okay, so he married his cousin when she was thirteen in nineteen fifty seven. In nineteen fifty nine, she had a kid, so she was fifteen when she had the kid. She was fourteen when she got pregnant. How was that even? uh, How I don't know. I don't know. How are these words even like coming out of your mouth? You know what I mean? Like in a it's so disgusting. In a in a (laughs) topic of conversation that's that's casual. Yeah. It's terrible. It's disgusting. It looks like she never she never had any other kids after that. Having a kid at fifteen years old. I know. And it being your cousin. <laughs> your cousin's kid. I mean I I'm not I'm not good on like the the cousin and once removed type of thing, but if you're having a kid with your cousin, isn't that kid also your cousin? Your cousin's kid. Wait, what? It, what is a cousin once removed? Is that a second? I guess that would be a second cousin, right? I don't know. I don't know either. But I, regardless, it's fucking weird. And she was thirteen. It's all weird. And she was thirteen. And, and he she was, was fucking thirteen. And he was what mid twenties? She was. 13? I mean, if you want to get real gross about it, he married her when she was thirteen. I mean, arguably, oh. he he could have met her, dated her when she was like twelve. Mm-hmm. Younger, mm-hmm. I don't know. That was a much different time. <laughs> much, was, much no, different. No, it was weird back then. Now, you know, I agree it was weird back then, but it still wasn't. It still happened a lot back then. More so than now. Ugh, it's terrible. Fucking gross. Fucking weirdos. See, people are fucking weirdos. That's why we're the best generation. <laughs> we group. are. The best. We are the best in the world. And that's why we have the best podcast in the world. Anyway. That is true. So do we have anything left on Ramblin' Rose? No. no. No, 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 Okay. So so that was your 4B, correct? 4B. What is your 4B? Come Together. Come Together Ooh, is the Beatles cover. Except it's not. <laughs> <laughs> this is, a, this this has, is a really sloppy song. This has my favorite lyrics on the album because they are so fucking dumb. They are Wh- so ones? bad. Which one? It's the uh, Let Us Dance. Let us dance the dance, the dance from which all dances come. <laughs> that is my favorite. <laughs> That's my favorite. Like, are you kidding me? This is what you wrote. You wrote, you wrote, kick out the jams, and then you wrote this. Okay. Yeah, they're terrible. They're terrible. It's so bad. It is really bad. Oh, you know, another thing we we kind of didn't mention yet is that Rob Tyner wasn't a front man. Like he he joined the band as the bass player they thought he would be better as a singer because his voice was good but a lot of record labels didn't think he had the face to be a front man that's too ugly he wasn't he wasn't a good looking guy at all but it's kind of i kind of wonder maybe that's another reason why this band wasn't as popular because he didn't have that that typical front man look well, yeah. That when you're competing dream. against like Jim Morrison, when you're competing yeah. against Robert Plant, like if you're not if you're not sexy boy with tight pants and no shirt, then what are you? <laughs> true. So oh, you know. that's true. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's my this is my this is my my four B, and I I just love how chaotic this song is. There's a lot of cool buildups, um, some really good use of like palm mutes. That, that that's another thing that you don't hear much on this record are the palm mutes. It's usually usually a lot of like open chords or just like kind of soloing and some guitar leads. But the palm mutes in this song really kind of kind of build the tension and build into to bigger to bigger parts in the song and and I, and I really I think that's really cool. I really really like that that part of this song because the, when the, when those heavy guitars hit they hit real hard. But otherwise yeah, this is this is extremely so- sloppy song. But the way that he um Rob sings in this song reminds me a lot of what Cedric does in at the in at the drive-in and early Mars Volta. He uses like a lot of he uses like like the yes 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 parts that Rob does like he does it like he sings it like very quickly and just kind of it's not really about the lyrics but it's about the um how he's saying it like and how he's singing it. It's more about the music rather than the lyrics and I don't know. I get I get yeah, a lot of one, Mars Volta stuff from this or at the drive-in stuff from this. This one reminding me most of James Brown. And I've only okay. listened to like two James Brown albums, one being Live at the Apollo. Mm-hmm. And this reminds me so much of James Brown, especially when James Brown does like the the wah, like I feel good. Wah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, the screaming, yeah. Like that's here. And and like these these guys are are very influenced by James Brown, by Motown. You know, Motown, Motor City Town. They're very influenced by it. And and that's what he's doing. He's channeling it. This yeah. entire song, I think, like, he thinks he's at fucking church. And he's just kind of, like, calling on people to respond. And, and he's just, ah! Doing that thing. <laughs> this is, this is like, Rob's song. That's what's happening. This is, this is Rob's song. And I also kind of got the feeling that this is a song I could picture them warming up to during rehearsal. This is, like their jam song even though they didn't really jam on it mm-hmm. it sounds like they would just open up for practice it's fun it builds into itself it's very easy to play doesn't really go anywhere doesn't have to doesn't want to but then like it kind of double times at the end and trails off and it's just it's an exciting piece there's a lot of things going on i like it i My think it's a great song too all right sh- should we play a little bit of it real quick ah! <laughs> clearly yes you want to play a little bit of it. So here it is. Come together from uh, MC5. Boom, 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 boom.
There it is. A little bit of come together from MC5. Obviously, lyrically, this is uh, this is a dumb song. It's just about I'm having gonna, sex uh, and all that kind of stuff. I want to read the lyrics one more time because I think they're so bad <laughs> that I, 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 want to, I want to get it out there. So okay, he, yeah. He says, yeah. he says, let us dance. Let us dance the dance. The dance from which all dances come. Yes. That is it. That's a fucking Michael Scott lyric right there. I'll tell you that much. Or it just sounds like somebody improvising. Let us dance. Let us dance the dance. The dance from which Mitchell all dance. No, that's Michael Scott. Michael it Scott is. said that yeah, probably. Is. <laughs> so bad. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, the Michael Scott thing is pretty spot on. That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> that was good times. I really think a lot of this song was improvised, though. Because the the lyrics are just are just very very stupid. Because he repeats sense. himself I, 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 so I, much. I honestly believe this is like their warm up song. This is this is their their song that they 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 play together when they start practice. Because there's not much to it. It's just super no. easy. It's super. There's not much complexity to it. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. And he gives Rob a chance to kind of get his whack his out. He get his inner James Brown out. Mm-hmm. Brown out. Um, wow. Oh, that was a pretty good one. That was pretty good. That was a good one. I actually yeah. choked on that one with my beard. All right. Dude, I mean, we've covered we've covered most of the songs. Is there anything else you want to kind of touch upon? I mean, I guess just real quick, like the Starship song. Yeah, the Sun Ra one. I, I that was yeah. the one I wanted to touch upon. Last. It's my it's my six B. Okay, it's my seven, my seven B. Yeah, I, I like it. I think it's a great song. Um, I guess it, it's it's taken some of Sun Ra's uh, uh, poetry and thrown it in there, but you can still hear like like the experimental like avant garde jazz stuff that they're influenced by, that freeform jazz stuff that Coltrane was doing, that Sun Ra did, that Pharaoh Sanders was doing. There's yeah. a lot of that here. Um, it's very basic. It's very, very dumbed down. It's very, uh, it's very watered down. But that's fine. But, but that's, that's why it's good. That's the charm their, of MC5. It's their version. And I think you said it best. Like these guys listen to a lot of good music, but they couldn't play it. And this is their attempt at playing the music that, that they listen to. Yeah. Yeah. And that's perfect. And to and to be so influenced by Sun Ra, I think that's just like one of the coolest things because out of all the all the jazz musicians in history, Sun Ra he's not my favorite jazz musician, but I think he's the most unique and the most interesting in all in, in, in all of jazz music. Maybe in all of well, not all of music, but definitely in jazz music, Sun Ra is the most interesting by far. Yeah, Sun for Ra sure was, the most interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But he has some amazing music too, on top of it. Wow! It wasn't just his image. It wasn't just his lore. His music was fucking fantastic. At least the stuff I've heard, out of the hundreds of records he he put out over the years. But anyway, yeah, Starship. I mean, the, really, the the first half of the song is kind of a more 
kind of like prog rock kind of traditional rock song with the lyrics and you know the the kind of bigger heavier guitars kind of punky guitars but then it drops off and it becomes this kind of like noise and like you said avant-garde free jazz kind of thing that that they do for the second half of the song it's it's quite the journey quite quite the journey but i I like that i dig it I, i like hearing a bunch of kids throw out ideas that are original to them because if i wanted to hear like sun Ra music if i wanted to hear really complex freeform jazz i would just listen to fucking coltrane so the yeah. fact that these guys are trying to do it but make it sound like shit like, no <laughs> one's heard this before like no one's done this yeah. before like everybody like like most bands of this era would would take the time to really practice and hone their skill but these guys are like fuck it dude. we aren't that good and i don't want to be that good they just they, they just, just care about like that. having a great time and getting wild on stage. That's yeah. what it is. That's really what it is. And lyrically on this one, I like the lyrics. I mean, the, they're I mean, obviously they were kind of lifted from the Sun Ra poem, very or I think maybe just one Sun Ra poem, but it's about traveling through space and then f- and then traveling so far and deep into space, you kind of find essentially heaven. You find bliss in this other kind of alternate alternative universe. And that's all said and done within like three minutes before it kind of drops yeah. into that, that weird shit or the weird stuff. But it's a story. It's I a do story. like it. And they tell it so quickly and it's, it's not drawn out. It's just, I love it, man. I really, really, really think that first Val- or not the second Valiant Thor record, the total universe, man, a lot of that record was based off of, elements of this record because like they're very like valiant thor are very much into that kind of space kind of esoteric stuff much like you know sun Ra and this song is and then you know we have the monologues that that kind of match up almost hand in hand it really makes me want to do valiant thor sometime soon (laughs) that would be fun that would be a goodie we should get valiant himself on it Ooh. I bet, I bet I, you know, I honestly think we can get him on the podcast. I really think we he'd can probably get him come, He'd probably come in his jeans, shirtless, smelly. <laughs> All the way from Venus, where they're from. All the way from Venus. <laughs> it's a whole other fucking thing about their lore. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, so do we have anything left on Starship? From, no, from that's, uh, I think that's it. That's all. All right. All right. So then let's give our um let's give our final yeah. thoughts and then we'll rate the record uh based off of our world famous three point rating system where three is a perfect album, two is a good album, you're gonna continue to listen to, one is a bad album, but give it a shot, and zero is the worst thing you've ever heard. So what do you got, Jeff? Go. I I still don't think the MC fives have, have put out a studio album that is that has blew my mind. They've mm-hmm. put out a live album that has blue, blown blown my mind. Blued, blued. Uh, no, it blued. It blew yeah. my mind. It blewed it. But they've not put a studio album out that blew my mind. So, you know, yeah. take that yeah. for what it's worth because that that kind of sucks. And I th- I think that they they sabotage themselves in hiring a guy that wants to produce a rock and roll album, and then also I think distancing themselves from the counterculture movement. And John Sinclair, because after John Sinclair got that got pinched for the for the weed bust, 
they kind of like distanced themselves from that movement. Mm-hmm. And I think the movement is what what drove them to be unique. And I wish they would have kept continued with the, like the punk sound. So I don't know. But this album, this album is 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 this album something else. Like I said in the beginning of the episode, if you pick it apart, it's not good. Like nothing about this is great. The <laughs> sounds bad. Everybody on their own aren't very good. It's just a, a, a hodgepodge of just medi- mediocrity. But you throw all those together, and these guys know they're all mediocre. They know they're having a great time. They know what their weaknesses are. They know that even when they fuck up, you know, you got four other guys that are gonna they're gonna hold you up, mm-hmm. and they'll lead you back to where you need to be. And I think that's that's why we start bands. That's why people start a band with their friends, is to do this. Yeah. And this this is like, I don't know if there was like starting a band class in college. This this should be like the first lesson because this is what it's this is what it's supposed to sound like this is what it's supposed to sound like when you start a band and have fun and that's some shit that fucking led zeppelin has probably never done in their entire career is have fun <laughs> and they should have listened to this because this is fun that this is, is just yeah. fun um not all these albums not all these songs are bangers i have a couple okay songs here so I, I think just with that I I can't you know I can't in good conscience go one way but um I I I'd say this is a three this is a three out of a three oh baby my God this is it sit shit this is this is arguably the most wow. childlike innocent fun live album that I've ever heard I can't believe you like, gave it that it high really rating. is it really is like this is. This is why you start a band. This is why you start a band with your boys, yeah, with your I, friends. This is why you do it is to have fun. I mean, I agree with you. I I agree with you on that for sure. Like my God, how the West was won is one of the greatest live things I've ever fucking heard. There are yeah. some things in there that I just think are are god tier, but not yeah. once in that entire fucking four disc album. <laughs> is there one iota of fun that's true <laughs> and ultimately like why the fuck are you not why are you why are you doing something if it's not fun anymore now it is work and that is man that is, i just thought of that right now because I, I i was like leaning back and i looked over to my box sets and i saw how the west was one and it kind of saddens me that that is so good but honestly there's not one part in there where i think anybody's having fun also, all those Grateful Dead box sets you have, those live box Whoa, sets. Oh, I think they're having a lot of fun, though. Well, I, think, I think the Grateful Dead have fun a lot. I they're think always they, goofing. They're I always think, experimenting. They're always laughing. They're always fucking up. But even like the Grateful Dead, the Grateful Dead are, are very, very well trained and very much better than the MC5 at their instruments. And very much like the MC5, the Grateful Dead know each other's weaknesses. And so when somebody fucks up, they're so good that they just like, you know what? That fuck up is now the song. Let's just go off of that. Like, they that's just think, how good they are. They think they're having fun, but they're really just so fucked up that they really don't know what's going on. That's oh. what it is. That's what it is. That's also, I mean, that's probably more true than anything, but yes. Yeah. 
you never know. So a perfect three, a perfect three to MC five. I honestly think this may be like. I mean, just Are you gonna say off it? the cuff here, off the cuff here. I think this may be like the standard for live albums. I, I, I because I the quality is it. so bad. It really is. Yeah. Like the quality is so fucking bad. So the music has to hold up. And it does. The music holds up. Like this may be like what all other live albums should be should be judged by. And like Live at the Apollo, like just off uh, because we've been talking about James Brown so much, like good fucking God. That is that is a perfect album too, James Brown, Live at the Apollo. That is unreal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He is on his fucking game. That is just unreal. And you can tell he's having fun. That is a fun album. <laughs> Hyped up on Coke and fucking yeah. blues. Yeah. But he's having a blast. <clears throat> no, he's, but that's yeah. but that's an album with highly trained musicians. This is an album with just a bunch of kids that are fucking around for the past four years <laughs> leading up to a serious addiction. But doing a bunch of like drugs and you know, doing some pot here or there, maybe some coke, a lot of alcohol, just having a good time, man. Living the rock and roll life. The good life. And having yeah. a good time. Yeah. Having a good time. All right. So my final thoughts on this. Um, I mean, this is, I mean, you can't argue that this is one of the most influential punk bands of all time. I mean, they are the godfathers of punk punk music in the intensity and in the just the flat out like, fuck you to everything. Everything about this band is uh, is a huge middle finger to everybody and we everybody so many people talk about the sex pistols being you know the anarchy guys they're 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 the you know the the greatest punk band of all time it's like fuck you dude like they were worse they were the most commercial one of the most commercial bands of all time like fuck that shit like mc5 deserve way more credit than they get and um yeah man i i agree with you that this is how raw and kind of pure this record is yeah it's not perfect by any means musically lyrically anything like that but what it represents and what it what it was kind of foreshadowing in the future is so significant and so important and it's so exciting this album man i don't do it often but i'm gonna give this one a perfect three out of three as well it's so (laughs) it's so significant to music history and it's so underappreciated it's 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 unbelievable how underappreciated this record is. It is true, and I don't. I, I mean, I I know they were they were they were. I'm not that it fucking matters because the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a joke. But they were up for for re-election numerous years. Did they? Are they in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I don't think they ever made it. Let's see, MC Five. Because they, they were they were up for election numerous numerous times, and I know even like like Zach from Rage was even like this is fucking dumb that they're not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and again, yeah, they're not they're that not it fucking matters. Yeah, they are not. Uh, it says yeah, it says they're not as of twenty twenty two. Um, they are not they are not inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well, that's nice. Yep, yep. So it, it says right here that. Uh, Rage Against the Machine, New York Dolls, and MC5 will not be entering the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2022. And I guess Dolly Parton, who originally said that she was going, she was she was going to decline the offer, changed her mind and said that she will enter the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But I think Rage, I think Rage got into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but it sounds like they declined it, 
even though they got in. But I don't know. I'm I'm not, I'm not sure about Rage. But yeah, MC5 are not in the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So well, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool because isn't like Jay Z in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yeah, I think so. I think so. So that's that's fun. So it, it says that they've MC5 have been nominated six times to join it, the second most of any artist that hasn't been inducted. I don't know who the first one is, but yeah, who would be the first one? Be maybe Rush. No, Ru- no, Rush were inducted because Alex Lifeson did that really funny and stupid acceptance speech. But anyway, yeah, yeah, MC5, they are not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, for what that's worth. We always talk shit on it, but we always talk about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Because we talk shit on it because they induct people like Jay-Z and then leave out people like MC5. Yeah. And that's why the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a fucking joke. So it looks like... So MC5, like I said, they, they were nominated six times to be in it. The only band ahead of them who haven't been inducted yet were a band called Chic. Chic? Chic, like C-H-I-C. Could be Chick, but I think it's probably Chic. And they were a band with Niall Rogers on guitar and Bernard Edwards on bass. I've heard Niall Rogers before for the name, but I I think they're a funk band or maybe a disco band. I'm not sure. But yeah, they've been nominated 10 times, but have never been inducted into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I honestly have never heard of this band. They look like but a if you're gonna, band, though. If you're going to nominate somebody 10 times, just fucking put them in. Right? Yeah. 10 stop, fucking stop, times. Stop doing it if you're not going if you're, if you're to put them in. Hall of Fame is fucking dumb anyway. I, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't, true. I don't care about any Hall of Fames until Pete Rose is in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Once that happens, then I will care about Hall of Fames in general. <laughs> Do not care. Oh god, oh god. Yeah. So there we go. MC Five not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Let's move on. So yeah, we both gave this record "Kick Out the Jams" a perfect three out of three because that's what it deserves. It really, really does. So, uh, do we have anything else on on the MC fives? That is it. That's all. Okay. Awesome. So, I know anybody listening. I know we kind of miss on a few things that happened after the ban and with Wayne Kramer and all the drug bust. But who gives a fuck? Uh, thank you all for listening. And um, yeah, I don't know. Give us five stars. That's all that matters. And we're too deep into this. I don't care about the outro. So that's it. That's all. <laughs> Let's we should do, I don't know. Beaver, um, beaver, fever. Beaver, fever. I don't know what, I don't know what a crump it is. Is it a crump of like a donut or something? Is it's like a, like a, like a, some kind of pastry? Oh man! Like a croissant? No, crumpet. Crumpet's like a like a scone, isn't it? I don't know what a fucking scone is. I don't know what a fucking Fuck scone you. is. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, crumpet looks like a uh, like a biscuit almost. It's called like a, why it was called a biscuit. Like why? Like you know what I mean? Like why do yeah, songs no, have to be so complex? Like that's why I get so. Like disenfranchised listening to Sodals because Sodals. 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 <laughs> S-O-D-D-L-E-S. Sodals. I like Sodals. Sodals. <laughs> <laughs>
I like Sodals. I like Sodals. <laughs> <laughs>